We hear a lot about cursed films around horror productions. Crazy things that happen on the set of The Exorcist, or The Omen, or Poltergeist. When you're working intensively on a project, and something really anomalous occurs, it's tempting to say this project feels cursed. by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the number one killer in history. A study out of Hawaii. A study out of Hawaii. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 180, I believe, 180 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host today in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P., as the little call sign says. But sitting right in front of me is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. What the fuck is up, you goddamn (laughs) jabronis? This, This podcast is rated M for mature audiences only. Sit your ass down. <laughs> and you became a dad all of a sudden? Sit your ass down. You listen to your you candy ass. Which, which, uh, which wrestler said candy ass a lot? The Rock. The Rock? Okay, yeah. yeah. Know your role. Oh, man. That's funny. So I told you I've been watching a lot of those, like, bad wrestling <laughs> videos, which is like whenever you have like some downtime, if you're listening to this, Google like worst wrestling moves ever and your day will become like at least 10% better because it's so fun to watch bad wrestling moves. The I didn't know who Scotty Too Hottie was. Scotty Too Hottie is like, I want to find a Scotty Too Hottie shirt just because he's so bad. <laughs> the worm is like the best one. Anyways, guys, uh, let me start by saying shout out to Caveman Coffee. Guys, go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory of coffee beans, cold brews, hibiscus teas. They got this pumpkin spice latte, uh, which I know is really popular this time of year. I know our boys over at Slumbusters Podcast, they've been chugging those nonstop. Um, yeah, guys, check it all out. They also have hoodies. They have hats. They have, I think they have beanies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so check it all out. Buy something for your significant other during these cold, difficult times. <laughs> and uh, when you type in America at checkout, you'll receive 15% off. That's 15, 1, 5% off. Um, and guys, that goes to helping us, uh, helping the podcast grow. It also shows that, you know, you guys are listening. And whenever you get your products in, whenever you're drinking your hibiscus tea, I know Jesus is big on this. He, he like, posts himself chugging um, his cold brews whenever he gets a chance. Tag us, tag them. It shows that you're listening. It shows that you care, and we really appreciate it. So with that said, make sure you check out our other sponsors, the Kings of Flavor since 1968. 
the year that the Manson family uh, hit hard in them streets. Uh, but that Price. is no coincidence. Uh, but make sure you check out at wherever they sell food. El Yucateco hot sauce, guys. Uh, some of the best tasting, most delicious hot sauce you can ever eat. Uh, this morning, I was putting that shit on my cereal. That's how good it was. No, I, 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 I did not put that on my cereal. But if you do do that, make sure you tag us as well as tag them and show them, hey, that El Yucateco tastes great on everything. I personally love the Black Label Reserve. I put that on all of my breakfast foods, my breakfast burritos. Um, and then I, this whole week, I've been messing with the Caribbean flavor as well, putting that on uh, my you know chicken breast because your boy is thick and he's trying to lose some weight because I got some photos I got to take with the the baby and the girlfriend for, for Christmas pictures. Oh, damn. Uh, but it, believe it or not, hot sauce is a health food because it does uh, decrease inflammation and bloating. So, guys, if you have that, if you are thicker than a fucking Snickers right now, I recommend going wherever they sell food, going to the ethnic food aisle and getting yourself some El Yucateco hot sauce while Art fucking defeats a fucking There's this weird fly, fly flying around in here. And it is not afraid of humans. It is a it is a fucking uh, servant of the devil. If it you does will. not give a flying fly. Fuck. <laughs> flying fuck. As Alejandro <laughs> would say, what the flying f? <laughs> All right, guys. So with that said, <laughs> speaking of the devil and fucking you know messengers of Satan, Art, do you want to jump in today? What jump into today? What today's topic is? Yeah. So this is actually a topic that has uh, been on my radar now for. Uh, I would say a few months, but I just thought it was more appropriate to save it for Halloween. Um, so, and that movie, this really popular movie came out on Shudder. Mm-hmm. It's a documentary, actually. <laughs> documentary, yeah. It was a documentary on Shudder called Cursed Films. Just thought it would make a really good topic just because there's so many films that I think a lot of people associate to being cursed. Just wanted to cover it. We seem to cover a lot of these like weird, fringy things, and that's what I dig. So I just really wanted to touch on touch on these this type of topic because it covers a lot of things. It's Halloweenish. I like Halloween. I like horror movies. I like all kinds of things. Not that these are all horror movies that we're going to touch on. Yeah, that's the one thing too. Like I want to point out um, when you initially pitched this um, this episode to us today. I was thinking like, oh, are these only horror movies? Because when you look at like any kind of cursed film, like there's a litany of cursed films you can look at. I mean, they, they're not necessarily, you know, horror movies. Like, for example, we were talking before we started recording, you know, the Superman franchise, you know, going all the way back to um, George Reeves' Superman. You know, it seems like anybody that's ever played Superman has like kind of fell down this like curse, whether like their career just hasn't been the same afterwards or they've like literally gone into like these grave situations like George Reeves, like the original, original Superman or one of the original Supermans he actually commits suicide, you know, due to like his luck in Hollywood after, you know, playing Superman. And by the way, he was like a dying piece of a guy too. I don't know why he didn't star in more movies. Like he didn't star in Vertigo or something like that with Alfred Hitchcock or something. I don't know. But you look at Christopher Reeves, like that's to me, like that's always going to be Superman in my opinion. Like that's the yeah, classic yeah, 80s version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was the one, I think that that's really the one that cemented the curse mm-hmm. because it was so weird. And he had that spinal injury, right? Where he fell off a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was really hard, especially for people our age because that's, you know, that's probably the first person, the person that we associated the most with Superman. And there was really no one that played him, that played Superman, right? Outside of like the animated series and things like that, voice actors. No one had really played him. I guess it was Nicolas Cage that was going to play him, which <laughs> would have been the weirdest Superman. 
But yeah, I mean, that one really changed the fucking game once he became paralyzed from like the mm-hmm. neck down. I mean, I remember like uh, the new adventures of Superman, like Dean Kane. Like he was an excellent Superman, but like, where did he go after that? You know, like, can you name one movie after that? And like, he, I guess, fell into like a deep depression. Um, there was the guy that played Superman Returns like in the early 2000s or whatever, like where's that guy been? I don't even remember his name. So it's funny you say that. When that movie was coming out, it was during the height of like emo rock or whatever. Yep. And he had an interview with MTV where he says, you know, I think this is the first emo superhero. And I remember thinking like as soon as I heard that, I was like, this movie's going to fail so <laughs> bad. And it did. It it failed. I never watched the movie, but it looked terrible. Oh, yeah. It still looks, did, did he he looks also terrible play Jesus? as Superman. No, that's Henry Cavill. Oh, okay. But no, um, what's his name played it? Um, no, Henry Cavill. He he played Superman, um, the 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 new like DC universe one. But um, so that's the the guy that played Jesus is the no, new Superman. Or they have like a similar last name. I'm gonna look that up right now while you talk. Okay, yeah. So I just know that like for the most part, I mean, I guess at this point there seems to be a trend going on. Even the guy that did the Nintendo 64 Superman. The I think it's just called Superman sixty four. Mm-hmm. The voice actor for that, you know, he got malaria. <laughs> what the fuck, really? He, he got malaria. He's fine now though, but still, terrible game. And um, yeah, I mean, there seems to be that trend. I don't know if that's because they're just getting guys that are are there are they just one trick ponies and they their careers can't recover because essentially you're just the guy that looks like the iconic Superman cartoon character. Mm-hmm. It's typecast. Yeah, are you just that guy? Obviously, the guy, the the most current Superman, right? He's Henry the, Cavill. Yeah, he's been able to like stay successful, and I want to say it's gonna sound dumb, but a lot of it is because he can grow a beard, <laughs> <laughs> and like it sounds dumb, but he can grow a pretty nice beard. Yeah. Um, not only that, um, but he's a British actor. And I feel like British actors are just that much better than American actors. Yeah. But the guy who actually played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ is Jim Caviezel. Oh, okay. So Henry Cavill and Jim Caviezel. And I, I did the same thing, too, earlier this week. I was like, what is it? Did, did Superman play Jesus as well? Well, it's the yeah. same character, basically. But um, no, it's Jim Caviezel. And even The Passion of the Christ is considered a cursed yeah, film. Yeah, that one was really... Did you cover that one? Because that one's pretty fucking cursed. Yeah, like, I guess, like, lightning struck, like... Uh, the actor? The actor. Like, that's, like, a common, um, you know, met or not metaphor, but um, uh, uh, what is that called? Like, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Um like common saying, if you will, yeah. that like, you know, lightning strikes. Like it's so, it's so rare to get struck like by lightning, but I guess Jim Caviezel got struck by lightning twice. No. So he got struck once. And then I think it's the, um, the like, not the co-director, like the cinematographer or something like that. Okay, yeah. Got struck twice. Like he got struck twice. So three people on one movie set <laughs> got struck by lightning. Or not three people, sorry, two people and one was twice. Uh-huh. It's pretty fucking ridiculous. Like I think that's a sign from God saying, like, maybe let's not do this movie. Yeah, you probably will want to do this gory ass fucking film that every fucking evangelical is gonna go flock yeah. to watch and shit. Oh my god, dude. Did, did you see that movie? Yeah, so funny thing is like it, it came out on my birthday and I remember my cousin Keith, he's like we were at like Outback Steakhouse or something like that and he's like, I gotta go guys and I guess like some church like him and his friend were going to, like their youth pastor was gonna buy tickets for all of them to go and he's like Jacob, do you want to go see this movie at 12? And I was like, well, I'm always down to go watch it because I always go watch Star Wars and shit with him and shit. And I was like, well, I'm always down to go watch a movie at midnight with you and shit. And so like I found out was like, like why we were going there was like the Passion of the Christ and I was like, oh shit. 
And so, like, I just remember, like, seeing, like, just, like, every fucking, like, like super religious person that ever was like yeah. in Bakersfield, like just ascending upon like reading cinema by the Valley Plaza or whatever. And I was like, holy shit. Like that is like the cleverest way to get either a president <laughs> into the white house or to fucking sell like a big blockbuster movie. It's just like put the facade of like, this God. is a Christian movie. So my, my relationship with that movie is I did. I also saw it in theaters and like that was before there was like a signed seating in theaters. So like it was like first come first serve. So somehow I ended up having to sit like right behind like a teenage couple that was just basically there to get away from their parents. And they were just like making out the whole time. It was like, that's how I remember the passion that Christ just teenagers making out during Jesus. There was some passion going on right there. Yeah, dude. It was like Jesus is getting like fucking slapped with like fucking switches and shit and and, like all this shit. He's getting like bloodied up. Powder and, is like playing fucking Satan in that movie and shit. Yeah, it's like these two kids are just getting turned on. Yeah, they made a baby after yeah, that. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. <laughs> and then the other thing, the Pope ha- has my favorite quote. I still quote this quote all the time, but he he said that it. He watched the movie The Passion of the Christ, and they asked him, "What did you think of the movie?" Like some like Pope press asked him that, and he says, "It is as it was." So I use that line all the time whenever like. I have an opportunity that to use that line that that's it is creepy. as it was. That's like some Aleister Crowley do what thou wilt kind of shit. Yeah, I I love that line, so I always use the it is as it was. <laughs> was it Pope John Paul? Uh, it was the likable Pope. It wasn't that creepy Pope, was it? Not the Nazi one or the Argentinian one we got now, but like the one that yeah, the Joe, Pope John Paul. Yeah, that was yeah. the one everyone. Yeah, we've had a lot of popes just in our lifetime. Wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it was that like more likable guy. Yeah, John Paul, the one that like. Which one's the one that like has that quote that I don't read the Bible, I listen to it? <laughs> That's a Pope quote? Yeah. Okay, I don't it's know. It's a good quote, but everybody turns that into a meme where like they have them like listening to like whatever the hot album is like yeah that's john paul okay yeah that's that's a good quote he listens to slipknot (laughs) here's him listening to slayer album yeah but you mentioned like there's other like you know hollywood movies that aren't horror movies that um are cursed as well one of the biggest ones i think that's like legit because for the most part i don't think anything's legitimately cursed i don't see like witches over a fucking cauldron like fucking you know, uh, you know, cursing any specific film and whatnot. And then speaking of that shutter documentary, like one of the episodes, like they actually have like a black ma- magician, not like actual African-American magician, but like he practices black magic. Oh, okay. It, it's a Slipknot fan or like an early Marilyn Manson fan, but like yeah. he's like out in like some Pennsylvania woods or whatever, like within like a pentagram, like trying to curse like a current Hollywood movie. Mm. And like, he keeps fucking up. Like he like, he like, uh, spills like the little, like, you know, chalice that he has and shit. Super fucking weird. But anyways, um, I don't think any of these movies are cursed, but if there's one movie I can definitely point my finger and say that it probably cursed, it's called The Conqueror. I believe it's like uh-huh. a 1960s movie uh, that was actually produced by Howard Hughes, um, starring John Wayne, and it's about the life and times of Genghis Khan. So it's like, like to me, it should be a comedy, because you have all of these like white-ass actors like playing like these Mon- Mongolians, like Asians and shit, and it is like the most fucking like culture vulture bullshit that you've ever seen, but it's hilarious as shit, like watching some of those clips, because obviously John Wayne is fucking American as shit. But I love the little talk- mustache I gave John Wayne. He had the little, like... Fu Manchu Manchu mustache yeah and so he's sitting there like trying to have like an Asian accent it's horrible as shit so bad that they shelved the project for like 20 years like I believe it didn't come out to like 1973 but the fucked up thing about this movie is is they wanted to replicate like whatever Genghis Khan like held from like Mongolia I guess 
Um, so they filmed it like downwind from like a nuclear test site. Um, I believe it was in St. George, Utah, which is like just, I guess, just downwind from like they were where they were like actively doing all these nuclear tests, like from atomic bombs and shit. And so 40 years, 30 years later, after this film was um, completed, like most of the cast, including John Wayne, his son, who visited him on set a lot. Uh, the director, like, I believe the cast was about 200 people, and I think they said somewhere up north of, like, 65% of that cast all end up contracting cancer or getting cancer and dying of cancer sometime within their life. And they're like, it's probably because of that movie. Yeah. It, it's fucking nuts because one thing I did see about that is some people took some of the dirt home for some reason to like show their kids and their kids ended up getting cancer. Which, Howard Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, they also had to film parts of that movie later on, like for additional scenes. So instead of just like filming it at some like local, like dirt lot, they decided to like bring in some of that dirt, <laughs> get it shipped in, which was like, why the fuck are you guys bringing this nuclear dirt into like fucking cancer dirt to like get you guys sick? Yeah, it was bad. That's definitely a curse one. Like, no supernatural abilities here, just, like, fucking science telling you you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> cursing you with that one. And what's fucked up is, is, like, I guess, like, the like federal, like, geological serve, whatever, like, the, you know, the federal agency that's, like, in charge of, like, okaying, like, the permit to film there said, oh, no, it'd be perfectly safe to, you know, film just downwind from, like, a nuclear test site. Jesus. Yeah, that's that's a that's a hard act to follow. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, just because I agree with you, it's hard for me to think that anything is going to be cursed. Like uh-huh. I do think that there is like the power of suggestion is a big deal. Exactly. Um, but that is there is no power of suggestion when it comes to like radiation poisoning and like getting cancer from dirt. Like that's a real thing. Like, like. The the fact that sometimes it's human error and human stupidity and like doing that that's probably like the most that's this just so you guys know this is probably the most lighthearted part of the whole episode because it yeah. gets a whole lot darker it's after this a lot of death yeah but that that one's kind of like you fucking idiots it's almost like I was I don't say I'm glad that it happened but if you guys Google John Wayne in that stupid Genghis Khan costume. He had it coming. Yeah. Genghis Khan was up like in purgatory or hell or heaven, wherever Genghis Khan ends up. He's in heaven. Yeah, he's a saint. Uh, (laughs) Now that's an episode, Genghis Khan. Um, But wherever he was, yeah, he he cursed the shit out of John Wayne. And when you look at John Wayne's career, that motherfucker was racist as shit. So maybe he just had it coming. And when you talk about curses, like I actually looked up like what an actual curse meant. And a curse is actually, it's not like, you know, hocus pocus, you know, black magic bullshit. A curse is actually breaking a covenant. And a covenant is um, when a higher power and a lower power. Now, it doesn't have to be spiritual or anything like that. It can be like Mr. Burns and Homer Simpson. You guys have like a contract with each other. And if somebody breaks that contract, you know, there's ramifications from breaking that moral contract. And so when you think about it, like the whole uh, The Conqueror movie, you're kind of fucking playing with fire there. Not only are you fucking filming and bringing dirt from a nuclear test site <laughs> to Hollywood and shit, but also to like John Wayne, again, look up John Wayne. He did and said a lot of racist shit and, you know, kind of set the precedence for a lot of uh, bullshit today. But um, anyways, um, Art, do you want to go ahead and jump in some of, some of the main categories of movies that we're going to jump into? So what do you mean? Like the genres? Like the, the main movies, yeah, that we should be talking about. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's funny. So I knew about that one because um, 
when I was doing research for another movie that I'll get into um, called A Took, um, that one was they kept they would always pop up in the same list of like cursed movies and all these, um, all these like things that made it cursed. Mm-hmm. So that one kept popping up. Do you want me to go through like the list of movies that we want to talk about? Uh, just you know, start off with A Took. That would be cool. Oh, okay, yeah. So like A Took was the the one that I really like first got me really interested just because it was a lot of actors that i i love like um john candy is a, an actor that i thought was really mm-hmm. funny as a kid so and it involved him but basically a took is a, a film adaptation of a novel right which i never read this novel but mm-hmm. it's a novel called the incomparable a took which every single place this is another thing that bothered me because there's, there's such a copy and paste culture when it comes to like podcast and youtube and all this stuff Every place that I looked, they would describe it the exact same way. Like, it's a classic fish out of water story. Like, I heard that line so many fucking times. Like, just come up with a different way of saying that same line. God damn yeah. it. Even when I looked it up on, on Wikipedia, it was like a classic fish out of water story. I was like, God damn, stop saying that line. Just come up with some other way of saying this thing. But anyways, guys, it's a classic fish out of water story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, it takes this guy that is living in like, like the middle of nowhere, Canada, and he meets like what I'm guessing is supposed to be like some hot girl, and she like somehow gets into this guy. He's like brings him to New York where they meet like this like rich guy that's basically going to like destroy parts of like Canada because they want to build like a pipeline or something like that through through like the Canadian outback. And a took is basically going to take on this guy and like show the world that they're now Inuit way. Yeah. And the funny thing about, and I'm glad you say that because I, as you were talking about the whole, like John Wayne playing, like uh, (laughs) Genghis Kong, Mongolian guy, all of the actors, I said, John Candy and John Candy is not really the guy I think of when I think of like in the middle of fucking nowhere, Canadian, like John Candy looks like he owns a pizza restaurant in Chicago. Like, that's but he John- is from Canada, though. Yeah, he he's a Canadian guy, but like Toronto Canadian. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about his like New York, like big city Chicago, like kind of vibe. You know, like it's not middle of nowhere kind of vibe. But anyways, the thing that makes everyone so like scared of this movie, and it's a movie that was never actually been made. So there's don't bother googling like trailers for this movie and thinking like I never heard of that movie. Why is this not a Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> yeah, 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 because this movie is never made. Every time it would go into any slight production, it would fail at its production level. It, it would kick, get kicked around from studios to, you know, no one would take it on. Some people would be like, okay, let's get this going. Uh, I think uh, Hollywood Film Studios was the one that showed the most interest in it for a long time. They were they were going to get it. But the but John, John Belushi was like the main guy that basically the role was written for John Belushi. Correct. Yeah, I believe like the film ab- adaptation of it, like they tailor made um, that movie to him. I believe like they watched like Animal House and like, okay, that's our guy. Like yeah. he, he's a white dude, but he kind of has like those because a took is supposed to be like an Inuit. But I guess he like they're like, well, we can we can tan him up a little bit. Yeah, you can put some bronzer on that ass, and you know he'd be okay. But like pretty much this movie started out as like a tailor made John Belushi production. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean you got to think about like how big John Belushi was at this time period. You're 100 percent right. And the funny thing about it is. Every single one of these characters, John Belushi, I talked about John Candy. These are kind of heavier set guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Kinison. Kinison, yeah. Another dude that was popular in the time era. 
the one that like really hits home, and I think because we were kids when this guy was around us, Chris Farley was the mm-hmm. guy that like was scheduled to play this role. At this point, it was like full on, like we're gonna get this one done. Like it's, it, and 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 he was full on on board of doing it because John Belushi was his hero, was mm-hmm. like the guy he looked up to the most. So the fact that it was a movie that was written for John Belushi and he was gonna be on board and. This dude had just done like Tommy Boy. He done like every fucking like hit movie in the early nineties and it was just it was go time. But obviously he died of like a very sad like overdose, heart attack vibe, which a lot of these guys, mm-hmm. John Belushi also died of like an overdose heart attack. It I don't know if this is much of a curse as much as it is like a, a warning sign of like Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. They were all overweight guys. They were all like treating their bodies like shit. Mm -hmm. They were all flying all over the country, doing cocaine, doing the whole like celebrity, like lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, Rock style life. It was, it was, it's more of a cautionary tale than anything in my opinion, but I hope that Joe Rogan, is it Joe Rogan? Seth Rogan. I hope that Seth Rogan ends up playing this guy. As (laughs) I was doing, I was like, Seth Rogan, you're you're like the last like guy. Yeah. You're chubby. You can do this. Let's get you going. Please (laughs) don't die. And he seems to be taking care of himself. So yeah, um, what's funny is, is like this movie started production in 1982, and as of this year, um, 2020, like it's still being passed around to people like Will Ferrell, Jack Black, John Goodman, and then there were some other actors like in between as well that you know have been you know people have like been trying to rewrite it for, but just studios are just like, yo, there's just too many people that have died that have been associated with this to where it's just like we're just gonna pump the brakes for a good long time on this, but. I mean, you look at the death list on this. It's like John Belushi dies of a cocaine and heroin overdose in 1982, right when they're getting ready to start production on it. It gets passed to Sam Kinison. Now, Sam Kinison, notorious, like, fucking flamboyant bad boy. And by flamboyant, I don't mean, like, you know, quasi-homosexual. I just mean, like, he just lived, like, that rough, hard, fast life. And, you know, he they actually started filming some parts of it. And then when he got into it, he's just, like, he demanded that they rewrite it you know, to customize him because it was customized toward John Belushi. Yeah. And so they stopped production for a little bit. And while they stopped production, he dies in a very violent har- um, car crash um, in 1992. And then by 1994, it gets to John Candy. He notoriously just dies out of nowhere from a heart attack. Gets to Chris Farley. Like you said, in 1997, he dies of an overdose, I believe cocaine and heroin induced. And after Chris Farley died, a lot of like Saturday Night Live alum like, they were all kind of like, oh, we got to keep the memory of Chris Farley alive. You know, David Spade, Phil Hartman. You brought up Joe D- Joe Rogan. Um, Phil Hartman was, um, I believe it was news radio. He was doing that uh, TV show. And he started to read the script for a took. And he famously died, not similar to, like, these fellows who died, you know, of, like, heart failure or, um, you know, car crash or whatever. His wife actually fucking shoots him in the head, blows his fucking head Ooh. off, and then kills herself. So... It's a very fucking, like, once you start to get into that territory, it's just like, I can see why Hollywood is just like, well, we'll consider Will Ferrell for it, but we we, we need an elf, too, at who's, this point. Who's the guy that did, um, played Batman? Um, Danny DeVito. Christopher Nolan's Batman. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, he should do it. He should put on the weight and he can do it. He could do any no, role. do not kill Christian Bale, sir. No, I'm not saying I wanted him to kill him, but he's like the only guy I think that could survive. Like, I he could. seems like he's... He eats a lot of strawberries, you know. He's good with his <laughs> antioxidants. Like he doesn't strike me as a cocaine guy. If uh, 
if he like gets into that Patrick Bateman like mind frame, yeah. like I can see that he can look death in the eye, like Satan. You know who the fuck I am? Here's my business card, dude. It'd be it'd be such a Taylor. I mean, he played Dick Cheney. If he can play Dick Cheney and Batman, but have you seen that one? Yes. Bi- yeah, oh yeah, my Bi- god, I love that movie. He did shout out Satan when he won that movie too. Yeah. I want to shout out my personal Lord and Savior, Satan. Yeah. So maybe they're on the same team. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we might give him a pass. So. <laughs> A good guy. Yeah. So speaking of Satan, um, when I was doing my list, um, I, I kind of wanted to get like the big hitters, like the ones that are most, uh, you know, associated with curses. Like I said, there's many movies that have curses on them that are not so well known, but I just picked like the ones that are more well known um, and like the ones that kind of meant something to me. And the one that stood out heads and tails above and beyond any of these was The Omen. And not only because, you know, it's one of the more cursed films. I mean, I have fucking a whole list of shit that's happened during the filming of The Omen, but it's just one of my favorite horror movies, and not even just horror movies in general, but just one of my favorite movies, period. I feel like it's just, if you watch it, like, you're... I don't get scared by shit like this, but, like, it's just a good fucking well-made movie altogether, just all the way around. So, like, I just wanted to start with The Omen. Uh, The Omen originally comes out on June 6th, 1976 so 666 and then it gets remade again in 2006 and gets released and on june 6 <laughs> 2006 oh, so man. another 666 it's funny okay you say that that's a whole thing of like the difference between like like numerology like it's not really 666 it's 2006 like, it's like a complete different number i get it but I, I get where people are coming from when people freak out whenever they see that. I remember, like, in 1996, um, people were freaking out when it was, like, their 666 or whatever. Yeah. And, like, it was just, like, oh, God, people get freaked out over, like, whatever number. I remember I was working at Target, like, the famous Target stories. I remember I was working on that day that the om- the, the remake got released. And I just remember it just being one of the best days of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, I think, man. I think I lost my well, even, you know, like... Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> even like, remember, we just covered the September 5th thing or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, you can put importance into any number. Or you can find importance in any, any number that you want. Like, if mm-hmm. if somebody says, look for the number 22, like, you'll find the number 22. Like, you remember Mary? Like, she her birthday is February 10th. So, like, 210 is, like, the number that she always, like, points out. Like, oh, 210, 210 over here. Like, oh, I just saw 210. And so, like... Because of that, from time to time, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like I see a lot of two tens. Like you can find any number that you're just constantly looking for. Mm-hmm. 666 is pretty easy to find because it's three of the same numbers. Just saying. Go but ahead. But they intentionally released these movies. Yeah. On oh, 66, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a brilliant marketing scheme. But a little background on the Omen it was actually created, you know, in, because it was on the coattails of like The Exorcist. The Exorcist was like an all time grossing movies. And so that world of like Satan and like, you know, the possessions of, you know, little girls and little boys and stuff, that was like a hot ticket. Like we were talking about on the Patreon episode about like copycat culture, like in Hollywood and horror movies in particular. Uh, but The Omen was kind of like riding the coattails of The Exorcist, where I would say The Omen, in my opinion, is a better movie than The Exorcist. It was very much doing that. But the, the person, I believe like the producer or the writer of The Omen, he was actually just a recently born again Christian. 
and he's the one that came up with the concept of the omen and he thought like well there is nothing scarier like when you read like the book of revelations than this shit that's supposedly supposed to happen where like the antichrist which is what the omen is about like the antichrist is born and telling that story you know and making a horror movie through that and so which i agree with like when you read the book of revelations it's a very fucked up scary fucking book in the bible uh, but he said um, to one of his producers and his producer said back to him, Bob Munger, he said, I said, if you make this movie, you're going to have some problems. If the devil is, if the devil's single greatest weapon is to be invisible, you're going to take away his invinc- invisibility to millions of people. He's not going to, he's not going to want that to happen. The devil was at work and he did not want this film to be made. So he said that during um, a sit down interview, I believe with Rolling Stone, talking about you know the making of the omen uh so right off the top uh gregory peck who is like the main character in the movie the you know the lead man uh his son actually dies of suicide two months before production started so right as he's um you know accepting the role and reading for it his son just dies out of nowhere you know due to suicide they didn't know like who what like there was no history of depression or anything like that and it was the 1970s and who's to say like he was getting adequate you know mental health care or whatnot but it was just to them like just so out of nowhere so fast forward a little bit um we were talking about lightning with the passion of the christ as gregory peck was uh traveling to london uh his plane actually was hit by lightning and the plane you know jolted or whatever and he tells like this elaborate story of like how they survived you know the lightning strike which is crazy because lightning just doesn't doesn't just strike anywhere right well two days later uh one of the producers um david seltzer um the film writer actually his plane actually gets separate separate from this plane his plane actually gets struck on its way to uh, london as well and what was creepy about this like i was looking at it well maybe it was just that time of year like storms were brewing and shit i guess like as the plane was taking off there was nothing but clear skies and you know like no signs of a storm and then all of a sudden as he was approaching london the lightning struck his airplane <laughs> it's just like yeah. it does, does not strike twice like that um but another creepy thing is is that um one of gregory peck Ple- gregory peck's planes that he was scheduled to get on um with the studio they they made all the arrangements for gregory peck to to load onto this uh production airplane and he canceled at the last minute for whatever reason and the the reason that gregory peck gave was like very like i just had a feeling like oh i just needed more time at my hotel room to get ready or to pack some stuff or whatever and i guess that plane actually crashed upon takeoff and a super creepy fact about that crash is it kills everybody on board like that's super sad super unfortunate right Mm -hmm. is that the plane actually crashes into the car containing the pilot's um, wife and child. Like, it's one thing for your planes to get hit by lightning, right? But it's another thing for a plane to crash and kill everybody inside and actually hit the car of the wife and child of the pilot who had just dropped him off to work. Dang, that's pretty fucking brutal. Like, this is borderline curse, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why I wanted to start with that because I was like, for the most part, I don't believe in curses, but if there's anything like what with Bob Munger said about like the devil not wanting to make this movie, that kind of supports it a little bit. So another crazy thing is one of the most famous scenes in the omen is when Gregory Peck is in the cemetery and they're uncovering, you know, the, the, the mother of the real child. 
and mm-hmm. it ends up being like a jackal. And in the cemetery, this is where you get like all those like rabid dogs. I believe like in the original, it was a bunch of uh, Rottweilers. And then in the remake, it was like a bunch of like black German shepherds. Both are scary as fuck. They're German Nazi dogs <laughs> either way around, right? Uh, but I guess like in the filming of the original film, um, obviously they're not going to have Gregory Peck, like fucking, you know, the Brad Pitt of his time run from like what seemed like 50 fucking Rottweilers. So they actually had a stunt double, you know, obviously coated up to the arms and, you know, protective layered coating, right? Like, you know, like those police videos where they have like uh, the German shepherd, like With that bite big on. foam pad thing or whatever. And they're just wrestling. it. Correct. Right. And so I guess he had a bunch of that shit on him. And I guess like they all attacked him and broke through like that protective bite coverings and whatever. It's a fucking nightmare, dude. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, it's just it's it's enough to have one Rottweiler get at you, right? It, like not to mention just twenty of them on there. And I guess like the animal handler for like that that particular scene could not get the Rottweilers to come off of him. That's fucking terrifying. That reminds me of. Um there's a video online called like man testing Batman suit. So he mm. creates his own like Batman suit. Right. And he claims that it's stab proof. So he has his homie like stab him <sighs> with a knife and first time it works fine. Second time that knife goes through. Oh. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so it, it, I know it's not the same cause these are dogs and this is a knife, but sometimes those suits, they will not work 100% of the time. No. And it's, it sounds like it didn't work for that guy. That is terrifying. That is a big nightmare, like, scenario for mm. me. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, it's like those nightmares, like, you have implanted in your mind. Like, there's a Metallica song called Trapped Under Ice. And I was thinking about that. I was like, wow, that would be one of the most horrible situations to be in is, like, being trapped under ice. And first of all, you can't breathe and you're freezing to death. Like, that's fucking... That's the most ridiculous thing to die of, right? No, getting attacked by like 20 Rottweilers, like that is fucking ridiculous yeah. as shit. Um, but that wasn't the only animal um, curse <laughs> that was on the set of that. Another one of the most famous scenes is when uh, Damien and his mom uh, go to the zoo and they go to like a monkey ex- exhibit. And I believe it's like a drive through um, part where like you drive through like a bunch of baboons and, like, they just crawl all over the car. I don't know who would, like, fucking have the balls to fucking have, like, a wild animal jump on their car. I'm certainly not taking my Jeep or my fucking, like, Mustang through a fucking animal park like that. Yeah. Scratching up my paint and shit. But I guess, like, I guess they had a lot of those in the 60s. I guess shit was built better, right? But um, the scene is you know, Damien and his mom are going through this preserve of fucking wild baboons and shit. And Damien, being the Antichrist, he's provoking all these animals to attack the car and whatnot and so i guess the animal handler for that day said also too like he couldn't get the monkeys to stop attacking the car so like the actual boy that's playing damien he's freaking out for his life as well as the mother in the car she's freaking out for her life and oh yeah by the way there was a baboon that actually was in the back seat of the car who could have ripped them to shreds fuck that's terrifying and that doesn't stop there with that scene so the actual animal handler for that scene actually dies the next day because a tiger that he was handling actually grabs him by the throat and kills him instantly. Yeah, man, those fucking large cats are no joke. Have you seen that video of the dude that's getting chased by a mountain lion? Oh, yeah, the recent one and shit? Yeah, that's fucking terrifying, man. Like, it made me not want to go hiking anymore. Like, I I usually carry a knife with me when I go hiking, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like, four-inch long knife or whatever, but, like, that motherfucker is fast as shit, he basically has like five claws that are like five more knives than I carry with me. And like 
yeah, I, I'm I'm carrying a gun from now on. Either <laughs> either gun or I need like bear mace with me at all time. Oh, you want me to plug uh, in the phone a little bit? Oh yeah, I think I'll plug the phone. So while you're plugging back the phone in, another crazy incident that happened during the filming of the um, production of the Omen is there was actually a bombing to uh, one of the hotel rooms there. So um, the Eric executive producer and Gregory Peck, uh, they planned to have dinner at the hotel that the executive producer was staying at. And the actual restaurant that uh, they planned to go on was actually bombed by the IRA. There you go. All right, so sorry everybody watching the live stream on Twitch. <laughs> We're having some technical difficulties. But I thought that was super creepy. But they managed to escape the bombing because the executive producer's wife had an inkling that they should have checked out early from the room. So they narrowly escaped being getting bombed by the IRA, which is like an Irish like yeah, yeah. you know terrorist group. Uh, they bombed this hotel in London, pretty much decimating the shit out of it. And that's like exactly where they detonated the bomb is the same restaurant that Gregory Peck, the actor, who had all this bad shit getting hit by lightning, losing his son to suicide, yeah. actually could have been victims of a fucking terrible bombing. Dude, that's terrible, man. Like, I had heard about the IRA and like on a Silver King episode. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I didn't know like it was affecting this movie. That's fucking nuts. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like you think about that, like that's such a close call. Um, one thing too that I thought was like the creepiest of all this, mind you, all that shit is creepy as shit. Yeah, yeah. Being mauled by a tiger, getting hit by lightning and shit like that. Um, one of the special effects designers, he designed the, uh, the original scene where, um, Damien, he's, uh, passing by this truck that's carrying, you know, glass, glass paint. Yeah, right? yeah. And the scene is that, you know, the truck falls and one of the glass panes like decapitates like uh, one of the characters in the movie. Super cheesy scene in the original one. I think the actual, the remake does it a little bit better, but either way, somebody gets decapitated, right? And the special effects designer, he actually starts not his next movie, like right after that scene, you know, jumps into another movie, but him and his fiance get in this horrible car crash and actually she gets decapitated in the car. Now, that's fucking freaky, to say the least, just with that one fact. But also, too, where they got into the car accident, there was a sign literally right next to them that said Omen, like a, like a city, mm-hmm. like Omen, but it was O-M-M-E-N, and it said it was 66.6 kilometers yep. away. And I thought, like, that shit, like, that shit is, if there is, if Satan's at work, like, he was at work at that point right there. So I did hear about that one. That one was fucking nuts. I will give you that one. That one, of all the things that are that's bigger than coincidence, this is definitely falls under under that. It, it was pretty fucking nuts mm-hmm. and tragic, of course. But yeah, really nuts that it happened right there in that amount of mileage till the next town. I can't get that thing to charge. But anyways, let me keep trying. But yeah, that was fucking nuts. <laughs> I'll try. You 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 give me your next one, dude. Okay. So after okay so. Hard to follow that one up because that one is like the devil's work all the way around. Um, but the the next one that I had on here, it's a really popular one. It's the curse of the movie The Crow, and I guess technically Brandon Lee slash The Crow. Um, this one had so many things going wrong with it. It was like ridiculous amounts of bad things that could happen in one single movie. On the very first day of filming for this movie, uh one of the crane operators 
drove into power lines and basically like shocked himself, like basically exploded himself by driving into power lines on day one of production. Like already it's like a bad, bad vibe. And I'll just go through this list of them. Obviously the one that most people know about this one is the Brandon Lee one. So we'll touch on that last, but also simple things like one of the set hands stabbed himself through the hand with the screwdriver and like a very violent incident that happened there. Uh, one of the stunt doubles fell through, fell through a roof, and pretty much destroyed his rib cage. Um, he was never able to dance again after that, which very tragic when someone can't dance mm-hmm. ever again. But um, also, a massive blizzard hit the set, basically destroying the set for for the most part. That they had just finished building. It was kind of a shitty situation, but. You know, that shit happens. You kind of expect those types of things. Not not that crazy. I feel like at this point, I would still just be like, that's just life, man. That's just, just reminds me of like when like uh, the Deftones music video for Minerva came out and they got hit by a windstorm. Oh, yeah. They, they incorporate into the into the video. But for the most part, like that's kind of shitty a situation that you guys are getting hit by a wind, windstorm and the set's getting destroyed. Um but I think uh, one of the craziest ones is a disgruntled employee. And now this story will vary from person to person who tells it. But for the most part, most people agree that it was a disgruntled employee was not happy with the way that the movie was going. And he stole a truck and decided to drive the truck through the set and basically destroyed a bunch of the set designs because they were building some very like large Tim Burton-esque style designs for this movie. A lot of that because really the only big superhero movie that they had to blueprint this off of was the Batman movie. So that's why they were building these large sets. So basically this guy steals this truck and drives through the the set and just starts destroying everything. And at that point, yeah, this movie's pretty fucking cursed. But the, the big one, of course, that most people know is the whole story with, with, uh, Brandon Lee. Uh, I was going to say Jet Li's son. <laughs> Jet, Li. Jet, Jet Li's son. Uh, Bruce Lee's son. And already, like, even before, like, the filming of it, I guess tragedy, tragedy had already, like, struck. And because Johnny Depp wasn't, he was going to film, like, be, like, the star of the movie. He was one of the guys that they had, like, Which set. I can see, because Johnny Depp already has, like, that crow look. To yeah, him. yeah. Like, he already has, like, caked on makeup, like... <laughs> Like white makeup thing. I call this Wednesday. Yeah. So like, you know, he would have probably got it if Tim Burton was directing the movie. Yeah. But basically, like he was he was in line to direct or to to star in it. Um. But then it kind of fell between two guys, and it was Brandon Lee and Joaquin Phoenix's brother, oh, River, River Phoenix. Phoenix, who also has a very tragic death. You know, not shortly after the, after this whole thing. At Johnny Depp's fucking nightclub, the Viper Room, yeah. Yeah, this whole thing comes full circle. I didn't even realize that that was Johnny Depp's nightclub. But I've been to the Viper Room. It's fucking nuts. But anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of shitty how that all comes full circle. But Brandon Lee gets the part. And a lot of people were upset. A lot of the comic book nerds were upset. They were like, man, this guy, he's only done, like, shitty, like, action movies. And I did watch some of, like, his, like trailers for some of the movies that he had done and they were pretty bad i've never seen any other brandon lee movie besides this one so i need to get like blood sport by itself because i do have like one of those like double feature like dvds just yeah. to get blood sport because i couldn't find it by itself at one point 
And so uh, one of the, the the second movie that's attached to Bloodsport, uh, John Claude Van Damme's movie, is it's a it's a Dolph Lundgren mo- movie with Brandon Lee, where Brandon Lee is like the 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 hero of the movie movie and then Dolph Lundgren obviously is the bad guy uh, but it's such a bad movie like it's take it took me like three or four tries to get through that movie it's very cheesy it's very like C grade of a movie and Brandon Lee in this movie is a sorry ass actor like rest in peace and shit but at that point in his career he was a horrible actor so I can see why people were upset that he got yeah. the Crow now the Crow movie it's I mean, it's not the greatest movie but it's a very entertaining movie and I believe it's like the performance of a lifetime for Brandon Lee. It would be like if, uh, who's an actor that we hate, not named Shia LaBeouf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's say just like some fucking horrible ass actor okay. gets like this uh, this role, like let's say the Joker, and he knocks it out of the park. And I'm not talking about like Heath Ledger, who was already a great actor, but let's just, just, just pretend. Some people were not happy that Heath well, Ledger he did, got that. Because he did Brokeback Mountain, but I mean, he's still like he has acting chops. I don't know. Let's put like fucking um, uh, Luka Doncic, right? Like some basketball player. Let's put him in the role of the Joker. Like Luka Doncic. Like who the fuck? Or or, or who's the the center for uh, the Denver Nuggets? Um, oh, uh, Nikola Jokic. Jokic, the Joker, basically. Right? Yeah. Let's say they just put him as Joker. Like what? He's not even an actor. He's acting acting <laughs> a day in his life. And let's just say he knocked it out of the park. That's kind of like what where Brandon Lee was, where he wasn't necessarily considered a great actor. He was just like the son of Bruce Lee kind of getting off on his looks because he was a very handsome gentleman, super yeah. handsome. I was kind of surprised. Like, he did not – he looked a lot like Johnny Depp. I will say that. Like, he looked like Johnny Depp 2.0. Like, it was kind of strange to see him, and I could see how, like, it was coming down to these three guys. Walking um, Phoenix. River Phoenix. Uh, I, I don't know that much about River Phoenix, to be completely honest. I, I know more about his death than anything else about mm-hmm. him. So – the fact that it was those three guys, like those three guys were the, like the early nineties heartthrob guys that everybody wanted in their movies or like, at you know, this movie, I guess was very interesting. Like besides Johnny Depp, like, you know, very tragic endings to the, both of those guys. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and pretty, pretty fucking like sudden, sudden deaths. Like they're not just like died in a car accident. Like, very creepy deaths. But anyways, but like what's crazy about um, the Brandon Lee thing is like, there's a whole like curse of the Lees as well. Where I guess like um, Bruce Lee, I guess his family, they, they like the first, the, the male children were all cursed. So uh, Bruce Lee's older brother died actually before he was born, I believe. And then the family believed that like a demon, a demon, a samurai demon was like chasing him. Like no joke was like chasing the family. And um, I guess early on in Bruce Lee's life, uh, his parents used to dress him up as a, a girl and call him by a girl's name just so, like, I guess that samurai demon will want to, like, fuck with him and shit. And so um, I believe it's, like, one of those, like, made-for-TV, like, autobiographies of Bruce Lee where the samurai demon is, like, chasing after him. And he's, like, getting ready to kill Bruce Lee, who also died of, like, mysterious causes as well. Um the samurai's like you know getting ready to kill him and shit and he shouts out to a baby brandon like brandon run run and then the samurai chases after him and then a month later that's like when (laughs) brandon lee actually dies like on the set of the crow and what's crazy is the last movie bruce lee actually filmed i believe it was game of death Mm -hmm. he's actually shot 
in the same fashion where like he's on the set of a movie and a blank is replaced by a real bullet and Bruce Lee's character is actually shot in mid scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean and then a lot of people point out the similarities between that last scene and the there was basically a blank left in this in this gun, like an actual bullet left when they mostly have blanks in there, but there was an actual like bullet left over. The the film I think the film director himself sent home the 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 people that inspect the guns they sent them home early that day mm-hmm. before even finishing shooting and that got through to to him essentially shooting him in the stomach like going through like some of his like main arteries and like Fucking being him up yeah basically like he was rushed right away like people didn't even realize actually when it happened people didn't even realize he he was in acting. People thought that was part of the scene. He fell down, and it wasn't until a pool of blood started getting around him that people were like, oh, shit, he's actually like hurt. Yeah. Getting an ambulance over here, and they went to emergency uh, surgery to, to see if they can they can um, save his life, basically, which obviously they weren't able to. Mm-hmm. But that was very similar to, to the, uh, is it Game of Death? Yeah, I believe to, so. To the Game of Death movie where, you know, that happens to, to Bruce Lee, his dad. And a lot of people think that, you know, I don't know if you were. This is where you were headed with this, but a lot of people think that because Bruce Lee always turned down the triads, like funding his movies, a lot of people think that this was, you know, retaliation for turning down the triads money to be to star in triad movies mm-hmm. and getting back at his son. Like, take we couldn't get the dad, but or maybe they did get the dad because his dad also died of very mysterious circumstances. But you know, taking him out in the, in a way that would be like pretty strange to have a real live round in a bullet mm-hmm. that was supposed to be, you know, maybe they did think that they got all the bullets out and somehow there was still a live round in there. So uh, we mentioned the Shutter documentary, um, Cursed Films, and they actually covered this, I believe, on the second to last episode. And that's like the big myth is that there was actually a live round still in the gun. And mm-hmm. so what actually happened was is there, there was a lot of... Um, negligence on the set and i believe the guy that was supposed to play the like skeleton cowboy on the movie he was talking about this as well as the prop um one of the prop guys he was talking about like oh to avoid having to pay like a union employee they got like a third party to come in to inspect the weapons and they kind of did like a half-assed job and then there was an actual like modern day like special effects guy. He was talking about like, so this is what they're supposed to do when they load blanks into a gun. And I guess there's like a middle part of a bullet shell casing that's like like where the hammer hits. And that's like what pushes the bullet through to the gun. And more when you're doing that on set, you're supposed to remove like that inner uh, piece uh, because if you don't, once you fire it and it gets all the way around, it actually becomes a live round because it lodges in the barrel. And be- it's not actually a bullet, but it's actually something, some form of shrapnel that can be pushed through to the gun. I believe they said at 3,200 PSI and pretty much shred like your internal organs. And so he does a demonstration of this. So he, he puts like a blank in and he removes like the inner piece to it. And he shoots it and he goes, look, like there's nothing in the barrel now. He goes, now watch, I'm going to leave that inner piece in, which is easy to overlook, like on a crazy set. And then watch, I'm going to shoot it. Nothing happens. But when I go to shoot the next blank round, he points the gun at the camera. He goes, see how you can see no light in the barrel? 
He says that's because there's a live shrapnel in there that can be used as some kind of ammunition. And so when he shoots the gun into like a um, a two inch piece of uh, plywood and into like a moving blanket, he shoots it and it goes right through the plywood and like embeds itself like in the blanket and it's like all shredded and shit. And he goes, "This is how they killed Brandon Lee." So it was more or less like um, sloppy, you know, oversight by the studio as it was, you know, like the triads coming in and putting like a fake yeah, bullet yeah. in there. So that that's really important to like note, but it, it would be creepy and it wouldn't be too far-fetched to see like how people can make like those connections. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the other thing is like the actor that played, I think the character's name is like Smiley Boy. Uh, I forget the, of the character, but it's basically the, the bad guy in the movie mm-hmm. that shoots him. Um, I want to say it is called Smiley Boy. I should have wrote that down. But anyways, um, uh, I really think that the, I mean, come on. Do you think that the triads got to him and like <laughs> paid him off to like shoot him? Like, unless he was like completely unaware of what was going on. Like it, it, it just seems like a lot of like really far-fetched things are going on there. It's tragic, but it's like, and it's very like poetic the way he died because of, his dad's movie and i will say that that is very strange that seems like you know stranger than fiction yeah but i cursed it's so difficult i mean these all seem like a blizzard i mean that's gonna happen disgruntled employees that shit's gonna happen people getting stabbed through the hand with a screwdriver it's gonna happen like these things happen all the time on a daily basis um but yeah cursed i don't think so sad extremely sad Mm -hmm. extremely extremely sad especially when you i didn't even know that whole thing about river phoenix dying in front of johnny depp's establishment that all kind of that if anything's cursed that whole thing like that's the one element that i'm like that is kind of cursed yeah that kind of adds a little bit extra to it kind of reminds me of like rosemary's baby's curse because i was looking at that and i couldn't really find enough to speak on it but the one thing that i thought was interesting is is the Dakota, which is like a building that's in Rosemary's Baby. It's been like fucking a decade since I've seen Rosemary's Baby. Mm -hmm. But the Dakota, that's where John Lennon was living um, at the end of his life. That's actually, he was killed outside of the Dakota. And that was one of the scenes in Rosemary's Baby. And Mark David Chapman, the guy that actually kills John Lennon, he's like a super religious guy. And before he actually kills John Lennon, that was like his whole mission. It was go down to New York and do that. Before he actually does that, he said he asked God for a sign of, you know, hey, how should I give me a sign of like how how I could justify the killing of uh, John Lennon here. And so he justified it by, okay, Rosemary's Baby was directed by Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, was killed by the Manson family. The Manson family was inspired, or Charles Manson was inspired by the Beatles song, Helter Skelter. The Beatles, <laughs> that's where John Lennon was from, so therefore I need to do the Lord's work here and close the gap. <laughs> so like that's that's like a creepy thing that was attached to the curse of Rosemary's Baby. But as far as anything else besides like the death of Sharon Tate, I couldn't really find any other plausible links towards uh, Rosemary's baby being cursed. But other than that, which I thought was creepy, kind of in the way of like Johnny Depp or River Phoenix getting killed in front of the Viper room. Yeah. Dying, Rosemary's baby is the one that people will bring up, but I agree. I mean, obviously the whole Manson murders is shitty. Like that's like a shitty thing, but people wouldn't really bring it up if it wasn't for that one thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So one of the most famous 
cursed movies is I think this is what the movie people think is like the most cursed movie when they talk about cursed movies. And it was actually the the second episode on that Shutter documentary, Cursed Films, is Poltergeist. Again, like The Omen, one of my favorite movies of all times. Do I think it's scary at all? I don't. I really don't think it's that scary of a movie. However, a, lo- a lot of weird shit happened on set and off set after this movie was filmed. So, um, notoriously, this movie is known for that scene at the towards the end of the movie where the mom falls into that half dug swimming pool, and like all these skeletal remains like start popping up out of the mud. And so, a lot of people say that no, that it's been proven fact that those skeletons were actually real human skeletons and because of that because you're messing with you know people's actual live remains i the movie this is where the curse came from which is kind of ties into like the whole theme of the movie where that's the reason for the house having the poltergeist is because they built this whole um development over you know an ancient or an old cemetery to begin with that's why they started to have all these paranormal activities because (laughs) they built it over an old cemetery and didn't relocate the bodies so it kind of has like those like real life i guess you could say meta you know references i guess you could say Uh, but that's why there is the curse of poltergeist so right off of the top uh, when you're talking about uh, poltergeist the first person that succumbs to the curse of poltergeist is dominic dunn who plays the older um, sister Dana in the movie um, right after the movie wraps in 1982 um, just a short while after it's released uh, she's actually strangled by her ex-boyfriend in her driveway in Hollywood and she actually you know goes into a coma and the family the coma like prolongs so long that they have to take her off life support because there's no coming back from it that sucks that's sad yeah and the actual murderer her ex-boyfriend actually gets a really light sentence I guess the judge, throws out all this proof um at the end of the trial he gets 10 years but ends up only serving two years basically for murdering you know this actress um and then goes on to like hurt and harm other women and shit which is a really shitty situation uh but that's the first instance of a curse um the most famous death um resulting from poltergeist is in 1988 you know the little girl that says we're here they're here she actually dies um, after during the filming of the third movie. Now, I always thought she died like right after the first one. I had no idea that there was two other Poltergeist yeah, movies. Yeah, I knew there was a two. I knew there was Poltergeist 2 because we owned it on VHS. But, um, yeah, I didn't know there was a part three. Yeah, but I guess she dies like right in the middle of that movie. And I guess they actually, the director of that movie didn't want to finish the film just based off of that. Uh, but she actually dies because she was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is like a bowel disease. And um, you look at the the kid, like in the first movie and the second movie, and in the third, she has like these extremely puffy cheeks. And you're like, well, that's cute when she's like a little, little girl. I believe she was like six or seven, like when they filmed the first one. And then she's like 12 by the time the third one comes out. But it starts to get more noticeable as she gets older. But I guess that's because they were treating her quote unquote Crohn's disease with like all sorts of steroids, which was puffing up her cheeks. Now, because of this misdiagnosis, the real problem that she had was like growing out of control and probably getting exacerbated by like all these, you know, steroids and shit that they were pumping into her. I guess she had like a like a like a growth like within her bowels oh wow that was like collecting like all sorts of toxins all sorts of feces and so it just kept growing and growing and growing and eventually i believe like on set like it actually exploded 
releasing all these toxins like into her bloodstreams and she goes like into like a cardiac shock due to all these toxins being released and whatnot. Uh, but she says she's a part of um, the curse as well because then that like starts to feel like, oh, wow, there was all sorts of deaths associated with this movie. So I believe like in the second and third films, like there was a character, like a crazy priest that was in there. He actually dies in the middle of the second movie due to stomach cancer, like undetected stomach cancer. And then another one of the um, characters in the second movie, uh, Will Sampson, who is famous for being like the tall Indian in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest as well. He actually, before um, before filming every day, he would actually do like ancient Indian exorcisms on the set to like release, you know, any like bad spirits that would be on set super noble cause he actually dies because all of a sudden he needs to have like a heart and i believe lung transplant i wrote it down right here heart and lung transplant that seems pretty fucking difficult if that's i can i can imagine a heart transplant Mm -hmm. heart and kidney yes heart and kidney oh okay i was gonna say lungs i was like i don't know if they can do that (laughs) yeah especially in the 80s yeah yeah, i was like i don't think they could do that now but yeah but, like, all out of nowhere, like, he needed, like, a heart and kidney transplant, but he dies, like, in the middle of, like, the heart and kidney fucking procedure, <laughs> yeah. which is crazy as shit. But, like, he was the guy that was doing, I guess, like, the exorcisms before filming yeah, yeah. each day. Um, also, too, um, the little brother in the movie, um, I believe one of the most famous scenes in Poltergeist is he's afraid as shit of, like, this clown that, like, sits in his room. Um, he actually legitimately almost dies on set um, because there's a scene in that movie where the clown like comes alive and starts to strangle him around the neck and like brings him under the bed i guess he was actually being legitimately strangled during that movie and the only reason why he survived that is because steven spielberg who was a producer of that movie he actually was watching it live like on the the monitors and he was like wait something strange about that that kid's a good actor but he's not that good of an actor. So he like jumps on, calls cut and like saves him from like the clown that was like choking him out to death and shit. Man, Steven Spielberg, man. He he's going to make a, one more cameo on this one, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's fucking nuts. Like that, I mean, it all seems like making movies is dangerous. I mean, you're putting mm-hmm. actors in like dangerous situations, but it it kind of reminds me it's kind of weird and and I didn't cover the Matrix, but the Matrix is one that pops up on a lot of lists for it being cursed but it reminds me a lot of that situation where like basically like um who's the guy that played neo <laughs> oh uh uh oh uh, uh, keanu yeah like keanu's i think like wife had died and like he had like a dislocated shoulder for most of the movie and then like for part two like he had a spinal injury like and he was just like grinding through these movies like yeah, and then like the lady that played the the oracle dies, so they get like another oracle, and oh, like yeah, that's right. Like huh? they just like all these things. Like if that that one, you know, maybe we should have covered it, but it was pretty fucking like cursed. Like if that one, that one for for Keanu Reeves' perspective, I'm surprised he was able to get through that entire filming of those movies. That that's fucking brutal for for an actor to go through. Wow. Yeah, and he's still a nice guy. And he's still a nice guy. He's still very respectful to women. Yes. He takes like those like hovering pictures and shit. Yeah, yeah, he does. Shout out to Keanu Reeves, keeping it real. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping it classy since 93. Uh, But also, too, on the filming of uh, the picture, uh, they they were actually filming like in an actual like uh, housing development. 
And so I guess some of the actors, like they would have like their own houses that they would let them live in. And the mother, Jo Beth Williams, she, um, famous for being in that pool scene with the real skeletons. Um, she said that there was weird shit that was happening in the house. Like there was a picture that kept like tilting, like she would straighten it up and then like she would come back, you know, from, uh, the movie set and the picture would either be like tilted in the opposite direction or whatnot. So she couldn't explain that as well as, um, the director for the remake, I believe like in 2016, they remade Poltergeist and the director of the new film, he said that, you know, while he was, you know, doing dailies, like uh, reviewing footage and whatnot, um, actually an- another lightning storm hits his house, knocks the AC panel clear across from one end of the room to the other. And then all of a sudden, as power came back on, everything started playing as well as one of the video games he had plugged in. Like he wasn't actively playing it, but the video game started playing all by itself. Which oh, wow. I thought was crazy. I don't know if he's making that shit up because that sounds a little far fetched. But if it was real, that is some scary shit. He could have just been trying to get publicity for his movie. True, because I don't. I don't think it was a well received remake. Yeah, I don't even remember them making a remake. I know. I think it's probably like in the five dollar Walmart bin right yeah, now. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah, but yeah. I do want to point out though. Um, again, to shout out the Shutter documentary. Um, the special effects guy that they interviewed at the end of, I believe it was episode two. He said, he goes for people to think that this film is cursed because we reused real skeletons in the movie obviously is ignorant to how movies have been made throughout history. He said, it's cheaper to use real human skeletons than it is to, you know, hire like an artist to, you know, cast, you know, a brand new plastic or rubber one. He said, you know, but film has been doing this for years and he gave like this whole laundry list of like films going back to like, you know, the Frankenstein movies and like the old like, you know, black and white pictures all the way up into like the 70s. Like it costs way less to go to a fucking biology store where they sell these actual skeletons, people who donate their bodies to science, you know, to buy them than it is to, you know, have someone recreate it. He goes, but that's been happening for years. And he goes, guess what? All of those skeletons that you see, like, in doctor's offices and and in school as well, those are real human skeletons that they get from, like, India and places like that. You know, on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride on Disneyland, I think they originally had real skeletons for the actual ride. Later on, they were all replaced with, with like, plastic skeletons. But if you if you take a ride on the ride... um. There's one scene where like they have a bed, and on the back of the bed, like the what's it called, like the mantle of the bed or whatever. Yeah, the headboard. The headboard of the bed. There's one skull, right? And it looks different than all the other skulls. And I, I think, in my opinion, Disneyland does not confirm this, but I think it's because that one is actually embedded into the set as opposed to all the other ones. So I think that one might still be an original, like actual skull from like when they were using real skeletons. And when you really think about it, like okay yeah that's it sounds creepy on the surface that oh wow you're using real human remains or whatever but if you're gonna tell me that when i die my skeleton my skeletal remains are gonna be on pirates of the caribbean like sign me up people would pay millions for that shit today oh yeah yeah so i mean is it really a curse i don't know but people try to dump uh like ashes like their relatives ashes on like the haunted mansion. haunted mansion that's like a big famous one where people just try to dump ashes all the time <laughs> they actually have an employee that just watches monitor people in the line so that way they don't like yeah. throw shit like in that little cemetery at the beginning of yeah. that ride it's crazy how popular like that ride is i love that ride but anyways um 
I have one. Do you are you wrapped up with yours? I think I have one more, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So okay, so I'll uh so the last one that I have is the Twilight Zone movie. And the Twilight Zone movie, I didn't even know this, but there's like a lot of like weird irony in the movie because um <laughs> um when when Steven Spielberg was getting his like big up and coming like as a director I didn't know this, but he started off as uh, starting starting his directing career on the Twilight Zone TV show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But apparently, that's where he started. So this was a passion project when the idea of a Twilight Zone movie came about. It was like a big passion project for him. He, they, everybody wanted him to do it because he was the hottest director. He had just done Pir- or Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> he had just done um, Indiana Jones, which later turns into a ride at Disneyland. Yeah, but um. That's why I got those mixed up. But anyways, he had just done that. It was like he was the hottest director and and everybody wanted him to do it. Um, but it was actually his idea to actually have four directors all direct the 30-minute segment and make it as close to the actual movie. I'm sorry, the actual original TV show as, as they could. So they were going to take some some stories that were actually already done on the TV show and make them into like bigger Hollywood storylines. And some, and one of them was going to be an original story. So, um, but he wanted to also get like the hottest directors that were out in the, mm-hmm. in, and uh, during that time period. So that was where he like pitched the idea of like, let's get, um, John Landis to direct one of the segments. And John Landis at this point was like rivaling him in like, like who's gonna come out with the next like hot movie out right now? Yeah, cause he, he did like Blues Brothers. Yeah, uh, Blues Brothers. He did Animal House. He was coming off the success of like American Werewolf in London. That's right. Who, and, by the way, real quick, not to cut you off, but the uh, the friend in American Werewolf in London was actually the older brother of Dominique Dunn, who died after the uh, Poltergeist movie. Wild. I love American Werewolf in London. Like. It kind of makes me like not want to watch those movies ever again. Once I found out about this director, yeah. but um, and he actually did a Thriller by Michael Jackson. He did well. Thriller was a big one. He did Black or White for Michael Jackson as well. Oh, that's true. He he has a long list. Like yeah, Trading Places, um, the Three Amigos movie. He did that. Like he he has a lot of movies that are like hits. Which is weird. He would do like kind of a a, a thriller movie. Oh, <laughs> thriller, thriller. <laughs> That, but when he's, like, known for, like, fucking action comedies. Yeah, he does a lot of, like, action com. I mean, his Beverly Hills Cop thing is where it, that'll play into into the story later on down the line, which which is interesting. But he also does Beverly Hills Cop 3. But essentially, the big reason why this is on the list is uh, he was going to direct a segment of, of the movie, right? And... I'm trying to, let me see, I actually wrote down the, so the segment of the movie he was going to direct was a, a segment called The Quality of Mercy, which is basically this guy who, like, basically sees the world through the people that he's hurt throughout his life, so, you know, it's very Twilight Zone-ish, right, and, um, a redemption story, redemption story of now I'm going to see the world through the, through the eyes of people I've hurt in the past, so it was, um, he, he gets this, kind of aging actor i actually didn't even know who he was for until i looked this up but it was bick moral which i guess was famous for a movie called for a tv show called combat i didn't even know that that was a tv show but anyways this was his like big redemption like i'm gonna make it back in hollywood i'm gonna be like old mick is back kind of thing you know like 
and it's really sad. Like it actually adds like a level of sadness to this later on, because I guess when he was trying out for this, he like volunteers that I'm gonna I want to do my own sets. I want to do everything myself. I want to make this old school Hollywood kind of thing. And then they're like, "Wow, okay, I love the passion. Like you're on. You're perfect for this role. Let's do this." So they get him on set, um, and basically there's gonna be a segment in this movie where. It's a flashback to his time in Vietnam, and this time he's gonna be able to make things right because he's he's helping out like these Vietnamese children that are about to like have their village destroyed, and so everything is like a perfect shitstorm at this point because in California, kids are not allowed to film after dark, and this scene was gonna be shot in in the middle of nighttime. Um, let me think, and these kids weren't even like being paid the way that they were supposed to be paid. They were getting paid under the table, which is kind of shitty parenting that they were allowing their kids to do this, but it was whatever at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think the parents thought like my kids are going to die during this filming. No. Um, so everything, everything that can go wrong goes wrong this one night that they're going to film this. And basically they're filming this right outside of like Magic Mountain mm-hmm. area. I can't remember the actual. Pl- I think it's like Indian Springs. Indian Springs. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, so they're filming that right there, and then um, as as they're filming this one scene, basically um, the actor has to take the kids and like run out with them out of like this exploding village, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's a helicopter that's close by, and the the director kept wanting the helicopter to get closer and closer to the shot. So he keeps telling the the helicopter closer, 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 and eventually one of the explosions gets too close to the helicopter, and the helicopter gets hit by the explosion and basically lands and decapitates uh, Vic Morrow. Vic and one of the kids, and the other one is just basically crushed by the helicopter. Mm. The sad part about all this is during there's eventually a trial for all of this, and that footage is like leaked somehow. It is online. I did sadly watch it i regret watching this it's on the shutter documentary as well oh my god it's terrible dude it is because like as you were saying all this like i'm watching it in my mind like replaying it in my mind and just knowing it's 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 violent enough to see the crash of the helicopter yeah but it it just to know that somebody got decapitated like two people got decapitated a child and like an, an aging man like that's sad as shit and then you need to know like a third another the third person another child was like just crushed by like the, yeah. the helicopter flying down it's fucked up as shit but um yeah they, it's pretty like out of like left field that they do it too because you're not expecting them to show it you just kind of feel you, you figure like oh yeah they're just gonna like you know black it out right no they show the whole thing yeah yeah and it's pretty it's it's you walk away from it like sad as shit dude on youtube they show the whole thing i was really surprised i was like they're not gonna show that entire thing and they fucking show the entire thing happening it, it's pretty terrible um you know people will look back and say like you know who was on set during this filming like who was to blame for all this Steven Spielberg to this day claims that he was not on set for this for this particular night. I think only the producer of the movie was on set along with the director. Um, and this whole thing goes to trial. It basically starts ruining his career, but not right away. At this point, he still puts out Three Amigos like the next year. Michael Jackson still wants to work with him. Michael Jackson does his thriller videos, you were saying. like 
his career is not over right away. It actually takes about six years for it to go to trial. And at this point, you know, Beverly Hills Cop is like the big movie that's a big franchise, right? And everybody's like, okay, so we're going to have him direct Beverly Hills Cop 3. And I think that the thing that really, like, makes him the pariah of Hollywood at this point, you know, during the trial, because he's still actively working during all this. Um, basically, Eddie Murphy comes out and has this quote. And I'll just read the quote right now, because it's... As soon as I heard the quote, I was like, damn, like, he's exactly right. And he just says, I don't want to say he was guilty or he was innocent, but if you're directing a movie with that's got two kids and their heads got chopped the fuck off at 12 o'clock at night and there ain't supposed to be working kids and you say action, then you have some sort of responsibility. And I feel like that, like, he goes on to say more about it, but I think at that point it's like you have one of the biggest actors in Hollywood, Eddie Murphy, right? That would be like if, who's the... Brad like, Pitt. Brad Pitt. I was going to say like Kevin Love. Like he's more... Of, like, Kevin Love, the basketball player? No, not Kevin Love. Sorry, um, Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah. Like, Kevin Hart is, like, pretty much... Kevin Hart and The Rock are in, like, every movie right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if, like, one of those two actors came out and said, like, fuck this director, like, he knew what he was doing, like, it would pretty much crush that director's, like, film career at that point, which it basically does. And, like, you know, it still... It still goes... It still bothers that director to this day. Basically, he gets off doesn't do any jail time basically they just you know they chop it up as like you weren't responsible for the death of these kids like who Mm -hmm. couldn't you know he doesn't serve any jail time but at the same time like you know i think a lot of people feel the same way eddie murphy feels that this guy should have done some jail time he shouldn't be in hollywood he shouldn't be directing these movies and um one of the thing, one of the big things that a lot of people point out is he went to the film debut of you know that movie uh, Grindhouse with Quentin Tarantino and Raul Rodriguez. Yeah. So there's a scene in the Planet Terror part of that movie where there's a helicopter and basically they tilt the helicopter to cut up all these zombies with the propellers. Dude, that's horrible. Yeah, and so I guess when that when that happens in the movie he went to the premiere and everybody turned and looked at him like, Oh, Oh. like, you know, you're kind of responsible for some shit like that. And I don't know what's worse. I don't know if like living with the guilt for the rest of your life of like, that you've killed three people and two of them are children, like, or spending, like, it's so hard to tell, but the, the, I, it's a movie like I honestly don't ever want to watch, like Mm -hmm. just cause I know the history of it now. I kind of don't even want to watch the Three Amigos anymore. <laughs> like, it's tough. It is a tough, tough. Like, like this is the one that like bugged the shit out of me as I was doing the research for this one. Yeah. Just because of the footage that they released, it was just like, oh god, like, it's bad. And the movie didn't even get good reviews when it came out. Like, yeah, and I, be- I believe too, like there was a settlement, and they for the two children, and I believe the settlement was only for sixty-two thousand dollars. Damn, that's such a like Peanuts. slap in the face. Yeah, like I mean, not to say any amount yeah, would have yeah. been like sufficient to to re- be able to replace your kids. Like that, there never would be enough amount. But like sixty two thousand dollars, like what the fuck? Like you, you like yeah, it's basically like that. It cost them less to kill the children than it was to hire like like whoever like the big like nineteen eighty two fucking uh, 
uh, like child actor would have been. So it was actually like a bonus for the fucking studio, which is with fuck it, which fucking sucks. Yeah, it sucks for everybody involved. And then you're right. Like when you watch um, the documentary on Shutter, like when they cover this episode, like they started out. I I kind of I really I have some issues with some of the episodes that Shudder did, but then some of the episodes like this one, I feel like they did a good job of telling a story where they were painting a picture of like, like in the seventies and the eighties, like you had this new, um, culture of directors who like they, the studios just gave them carte blanche to do like whatever they wanted. And like John Landis was very much in, in that vein at that time. Like he, he would do like whatever just to get real emotion of out of his actors and then the next movie I'm going to get into, like the same, the director I'm about to talk about, he did the same thing. Like where it's just like, instead of like having the actors act, like he would do some bullshit to get some real reactions out of them. So just to jump into it, my next, my next and final movie is The Exorcist, which is probably like the most notorious uh, horror movie of all time. Right off the top, not one of my favorite movies. I actually think The Exorcist is rather boring as well as like it there's not an ounce of scariness to that movie it's more funny to me than it is anything but apparently this movie is cursed as well now i mentioned right off of the top you know bleeding into you know from the twilight zone into this uh the director of um the exorcist um william william friedkin he'd actually like fire guns on set like he would have like a loaded gun like on every uh sound stage and he would hide them everywhere like where the actor was at so they would be doing a scene and for order for them to like look scared or like like show some kind of like real emotion like out of nowhere he would like pop off a, like a gun like right in the middle of a sound stage and so like the actors were just like ter- constantly terrified on the set of the extras not only are you fucking with like you know real demons and shit like that but like you have like this crazy director um one part of the curse i guess you could say but to transition into the actual part of the exorcist is is that you know the the practical effects people um they were um they had a uh, reagan which was linda blair they had her in the bed and one of the scenes is like she's in the bed and she's being thrashed around or whatnot right and i guess one of the straps broke and it was supposed to be a very safe harness so where you can thrash you know linda blair around who's like at the same time like a child actor that we were talking about um and be very safe but one of the the straps broke. They didn't bother to fix it. So when they were doing the next scene with this, it actually cracked her back permanently. Now Linda Blair is like a sixty year old, sixty um, two year old woman now. Um, she's permanently had like this like cracked spine throughout her whole life due to that scene. And the director was like, "Good, it gave a good performance." And then another scene in that movie where um, Linda Blair's character Reagan she throws her mom across the room. Like that was actually done. Uh, with like I guess a rope or whatever so like they had like something attached to uh, that actress's waist and then like the special effects guy or practical effects guy like they would pull her you know from across the room well I guess they weren't getting the performance that they needed out of her and I guess she kept complaining like hey like this hurts a lot is like there any other way I can do this can I like throw myself or can we just imply that she you know throws me and then the director was just like no fuck that like we're gonna do it 10 times harder than we did it the last time so i guess like the actual cut that makes it onto the scene is i guess they had like instead of like one guy pulling the rope they had like three guys pulling the rope so you have like three fucking thick ass grown ass men like pulling you know the mom out of there and like she i guess she suffered like lifelong injuries as well i guess she said like like one of her vertebrae is like crooked now because of this and it's all because of like the car blanche that the the directors had at that time to do like whatever they wanted to get a certain scene. 
Yeah, I mean, Steven Spielberg, like these directors, like they were the hot shit. I, I think when I was doing the research for this one, they na- they called them like the Hollywood like hot boys or something like that. Like they had like a really ridiculous name for them. It's like a rap group. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, it kind of makes sense. Like I was actually, it's funny, like completely unrelated, but I was talking to my girlfriend about this yesterday, how in the 80s there was a real fascination with celebrity like you remember that show like the lifestyles of the rich and the famous yeah and like like donald trump was basically like famous for being rich like yeah. um i think a lot of that came from this like oh these these people these directors are almost famous for being famous, famous directors like that was it that was like their claim to fame like every big movie like and then you look at like there's no one in that level now like there's no one that like if you told me like the next Star Wars is going to be directed by like some guy I never heard of. I'd be like, yeah, I guess that makes sense because it doesn't need to be directed by Steven Spielberg anymore. Like everything doesn't need every big movie, every Jurassic Park style movie doesn't need to be directed by that. Like I think the Marvel movies have kind of showed that like got rid of the directors and just got like people on their second movie ever, like go direct Black Panther or something like, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, I mean back then it was just like, Oh, they're the only people that can put this vision together. Yeah. And like, it's so much bullshit. Like the '80s to me were like the the love of excess and like celebrity was just like so over the top. Mm-hmm. And so going into um, the Exorcist um, it, from the jump, like the the Catholic Church was saying, like you should not, you know, do this film because at this time, like exorcism was like a very much uh, uh, in the closet phenomenon. Like that only the Catholic Church knew about it. I, I mean, there's versions of uh, exorcism like in every religion but like the catholic church in america and western civilization like they own like that sector of spirituality and so like they were like very against it because it's like you play with fire you're gonna get burned kind of similar to the omen like you don't want to give uh satan you know celebrity here so um right off the bat you know uh jason miller who played you know the young priest damien mm-hmm. I, that's creepy that like he would also be a damien um before he started filming this uh, movie. I guess his son, um, his young son, got into a motorcycle accident and crushed both of his legs. And I thought, like, okay, I mean, shit happens. That's life, right? But the other priest, uh, played by um, um, Max von Sydow, uh, the older priest, Father Marin, uh, his brother actually dies the first day that he's on set. So he has to fly back, I believe, to Sweden or whatnot just to be there for his death. Um, also, too, uh, you know, Jason Miller, uh, his mother uh, that that was played on the movie, I believe her name was Vasiliki Marlaragos or whatever, right? So the lady that's actually in that movie, she actually dies the day that filming wraps on The Exorcist as well. And I thought, like, okay, like, she was already an elderly woman or whatever, but I guess, like, all the actors beforehand, like, they made them have, like, some kind of physical just to make sure that, like, they were going to, you know, be okay on the movie. I guess, like something happened with um sag and like every actor before they started the process of a film had to be like you know medically cleared i guess you could say to film and i guess they found nothing wrong with her but like on the last day of the movie she passes away another actor uh jack um mcgowran i hopefully i'm saying that right um he actually dies two weeks after filming and and it's funny because the two people that died you know shortly after filming the movie were actually people that were killed by Reagan, by, you know, the, the demon yeah, yeah. within the movie. 
also too one of the most famous instances about the exorcist is i guess uh there was a famous fire that happened on the set and i guess uh the director said that oh it was a winged beast with talons that you know caused uh caused the fire or whatever and i guess what really happened was a pigeon flew in like a, fl- a fuse <laughs> box or whatever but and, ca- and caused a legit electrical fire burning pretty much all of the sets you know halting production but the fire reached everywhere except f- it reached all the way to the room like where reagan was at like being possessed and shit and was left virtually untouched hmm, interesting interesting and with me like i was thinking about that like when you watch like all the documentaries about the exorcist, it might be because they were keeping that room like 20 below zero at all times just to, you know, make it look, you know, even more creepier on camera. And that might have played a, a factor into why the, you know, fire didn't really fuck with that area because it was too cold for the fire to survive. But it is in a way like when you think of like curses and yeah. happenings or whatever, that is kind of creepy to think about. But, um, also, too, uh, the film was actually specifically requested by the director uh, to be filmed at an address at 666 Fifth, Fifth Avenue in New York City. Wow, that's interesting. You know, one of my favorite things, and it's it's not curse related at all, but the movie starts off with them like finding like some like amulet or whatever, like in Mexico or something like that. Iraq, Iraq, like it's just. It, the set design for every part of that movie, I think, is just like so well done. Like, mm-hmm. it stands the test of time. Like, to me, that that's that's what makes a good movie like a good movie that you didn't like half-ass. Like, like you look at like the prequel trilogy of Star Wars. I like it looks like shit because it's basically like CGI. CGI. It's, it's bad CGI. Or like even like other movies like from the same time period like do a bad job of like creating the atmosphere of 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 where you're supposed to be at the fact that they put love and care and it sounds weird to say that but they put so much care into like creating like world building like mm-hmm. this this world it's just so well done that it's that stood the test of time over all these years mm-hmm. and i wish i had like something to say about the exorcist curse like in iraq or whatever but i guess like they said that was the like most pleasant time like the crew <laughs> had is like when they had to fly to iraq i guess the only thing is it was just really hot <laughs> but i mean it's a fucking desert yeah, fucking yeah. country right um uh, but i guess to um you know linda blair like her career was never the same after that even though she's pretty much the victim within that movie uh throughout the re- you know throughout her life continuing she never was able to find you know substantial work because she got typecast as reagan um you know the studios had to hire security like presidential security for her because people were constantly trying to attack her because they thought she was legitimately the devil um she pretty much you know suffers like the old hollywood curse of you know children actors where you know she becomes addicted to drugs she suffers all these mental breakdowns um she has like i mean it's not so much a curse, but she starts pose like doing all these like non PG things like posing for Playboy. I guess she gets in this long, you know, tumultuous relationship with Rick James, who, by the way, could <laughs> have his own fucking episode. And if you don't know about Rick James, bitch, you probably will later on. But like, yeah, I guess that was like a whole fucking, you know, shit storm in itself. But her whole life was like pretty much fucked up until just recently uh, where she starts, I guess, like this, like, um, this dog sanctuary for like, you know, abused and abandoned animals and whatnot. But like, she has like a rough go. Um, when they start, you know, filming, you know, uh, 
sequels and prequels and whatnot. Um, there's instances where like fax machines would turn on by themselves and start faxing just the number six over and over again. Um, the original director for the prequel film, like the exorcist, the beginning, he just dies out of nowhere. Um, I guess like he had to have like elective surgery, which is like getting like a tooth removed or something like that. He passes away with that from that. Uh, another director, um, he films the whole prequel movie I didn't even know there was a prequel movie. I guess there's three, there's two sequels and then a prequel movie. But the original director for the prequel movie, he films the whole movie just like from beginning to end. And then the footage is just mysteriously lost, right? And so then they have to go with another director for whatever reason. I guess the studio wasn't happy with that instance. So that director, um, he gets in a horrible car accident before they start filming uh, which crushes his leg. So he spent, you see like all the production photos of like him, like on one of those like little, uh, leg things that like carries over the, the leg for you. Like, it's like a little skateboard scooter oh, thing yeah. or whatever you see him all throughout then. Um, and then like his dog, like out of nowhere, I guess he was bringing his dog to set every day. Like just starts like vomiting blood, like just like, like pea soup, like in the original, um, movie. Yeah. Starts like just vomiting blood and like loses like ninety something ridiculous like ninety percent of like his blood supply or whatever. He, he ate a Lego, dude. Probably <laughs> that was like the height of Legos. And then, um, I guess Mercedes McCambridge, the actual actress that was doing like all the voices, like your mother's in here, like with us. Your mother burns in hell. Like her, like her son actually kills his girlfriend before killing himself. So that film again is like ripe with curses as well rough man like so a lot of this goes to two things i think like one it's rough working in hollywood and like two and when i say rough working in hollywood i mean like actual like being on a movie set like it seems like it's a dangerous business and then the other thing is like the lifestyle that a lot of these people live, like, you know, we started off talking about, like, John Candy and, like, Steve Bu- Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, we started talking about all these guys that were, like, they were basically, like, living the rock star life of, like, cocaine and, like, um, Chris Farley, when he died, like, he was basically, like, having, like, a, I want to say it was, like, a prostitute that he was with, like, that basically didn't want to even call the cops because didn't want to get in trouble that she was with him, like, doing cocaine. I mean, it's a rough life, but somebody's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's tough. It's tough when, like, all these people travel. Like, I'm sure a lot of these directors and, like, all these people are constantly traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was on Poltergeist, he said, like, a bunch of people kept getting shocked by, like, in, on their planes and, like, all these things. Like, Oh, the omen. The omen. Like, like it's rough. Like, it, it is it is a rough life. I would say Hollywood is, like, a rough business to get into. It's not like a nine-to-five job where, like, you do a lot of the same stuff over and over and over. It's like you really don't know what you're walking into a lot of times. Like, even in, like, if you're doing, like, Shark Boy and Lava Girl movies or, like, whatever, like, they're rough movies to do. Like, Hollywood is tough. And to reference that Shutter documentary one more time before we wrap this up, they said that as well. It's like when you when you are focusing in on something like a curse, of course you're going to see it. And the psychologist that they get to talk about that, he uses like a live example. He says, okay, you're going to look at a basketball team. One team's dressed all in white. Another team's dressed all in black. 
they're both both of those teams are going to be passing the basketball to each other's teammates but i want you to focus only on the you know players in the white jersey so you just sit there and you say you he asks you a question he says now i want you to look how many times you know those players in the white jerseys pass the basketball to each other and so you're sitting there and i believe it's like 13 times and like your mind starts to travel like oh shit 13 like the unlucky number or whatever right because yeah. you're like okay what path is he taking us on and he goes he goes now, how many people saw the gorilla? And then, like, in in real time, you're like, gorilla? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then, like, he shows you the same footage over again, and it's, you see, like, you're, you're not focusing on the people in the white anymore, but all of a sudden, you just see this guy, like, in a monkey suit cross the screen, and he starts beating his chest and, like, being all, like, extra <laughs> and extravagant, you know, in a gorilla suit, and then, you know, continues to walk out of frame. And he goes, see, when your mind focuses on one thing that's what you're gonna see you're gonna ignore you know anything else that's that's out there and he goes now let me give you another example imagine a box if you will he actually says the word (laughs) if you will he says imagine a box and inside that box there's four other boxes now when the first box it's all of these cursed films that we've been talking about you know these are all horror movies that are cursed and whatnot right and then you got in the second box he goes, that's all the horror mil- movies that are not cursed. And then in the third box, we're going to look at all the, the movies that are not horror movies that are cursed, like your Supermans, like your, you know, The Conquerors, The Apocalypse Now, The Atooks, if you will. And then he goes, then you got to look in the fourth box, which is all the other movies that have ever been made. And he says, well, what's the greater number, the cursed movies or the uh, all the other movies that have ever been made and whatnot? And when you look at it, you're like, oh, okay. It's like that example. Like you're fo- so focused on the curse that you you start just drawing imaginary lines to connect all these dots to why these movies are cursed. So, yeah, I mean, this is that whole like QAnon thing where people are just connecting the dots out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's I think it's a lot of this is like rough. Like as much as I hate the idea of um, like the Twilight Zone movie, like being so I don't think it's cursed, but that one was kind of shows you like. People, people will try to cut corners whenever they can. Mm-hmm. People will try to hire actors and pay them under the table and like do all these like weird things just to try to make a good movie. But at what cost? Like it costs the life of three people. Mm-hmm. As um, well as Brandon Lee. Yeah, the Brandon Lee thing. Like even like we brought up like uh, River Phoenix and like River Phoenix was living like the movie star life. Like he was out late in the club one night and like that's essentially like brought to his demise but you know he wasn't overweight he wasn't he wasn't like chris farley but he was still out there like living that life especially now i think with social media it's kind of created a new level of like the constant surveillance of like as far as like being like some cokehead or whatever like Mm -hmm. there's still some of that i'm sure i'm sure there's a lot of it but as far as like going that over the top like chris farley just hanging out with prostitutes and doing cocaine it's probably not that extreme anymore. At least, like, not for like bigger celebrities. Mm-hmm. Probably like B celebrities that are starring in like Fast and the Furious fifteen or whatever. I don't know what franchises out there, <laughs> but that's the only thing that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that said, uh, maybe this episode is cursed because from the beginning of this episode, there was all sorts of stuff that went wrong. Like, <laughs> I know the dude. Twitch stream went down, my TV went off, uh, the phone died. Uh, that was recording uh, the Twitch stream. <laughs> my 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 little toddler baby, he fucking broke into the room a couple times, and then my dog broke into the room a couple times. So if you hear some shit in the background, you see me moving on the YouTube, 
That's why. So maybe Satan didn't want us making this episode. This is episode. a rough episode. Yeah, you're right. It was yeah. a cursed episode. So <laughs> with that said, Art, do you have anything else? That's it. Tell your mommy, Boo Boo 2. Uh, normally, I used to give Elizabeth Warren shout-outs, but I'm going to give her one again uh, for like standing up to uh, Disney Disney CEOs taking a pay increase while releasing a bunch of Disney employees. That's shitty. Not cool. And Elizabeth Warren was uh, sticking up for a lot of the um, Disney employees that were released. Maybe so, we should have that cool. like black ma- ma- black magic magician Satan worshiper guy from the Shutter documentary. Maybe we should have him curse her or curse Disney. Curse Disney. Yeah, actually, I like Disney, but hire those employees back, Disney. You know what you did is wrong. Yeah. So with that said, everybody, make sure you check us out on all the platforms on social media at Art and Jacob Do America. Except for Twitter, we are at RNJGDO1. Make sure you go to the YouTube channel, subscribe there. Go to the Twitch channel, subscribe there. Hopefully I'll have the, the fucking phone fixed by then so you can watch us on live stream while we record in real time so you can see all the fucking shenanigans that go on and shit. Make sure you go to our Patreon where you can get a weekly Patreon-only episode as well as stickers and mail. This you week's episode swag. was great. Yeah, I love this week's yeah. episode. It was probably the best Patreon episode that we ever did, but... So if you like our podcast and you want to have an even better podcast experience, because I sometimes think those episodes are a little bit better than actual man episodes, subscribe to the Patreon. Hook you up there. Hook you up with some L.U. Yucateco swag. Speaking of our sponsors, make sure you go to cavemancoffee.com and your promo code AMERICA for 50% off, as well as going wherever they sell food and buying some L.U. Yucateco hot sauce. Tag us, tag them, as well as going to our Tee Public. That's where all our official merch is at. Uh, shout out to the Podbelly Network where we are official Podbelly members. Uh, check out our homeboy um, Eddie at the Rock and Roll Beer Guy podcast, as well as our sisters at We're Not Sure Yet, the world famous Sofa King podcast, as well as Dave Moten's new podcast, Mind Frame, which just launched. Make sure you check that one out. Rate and review on iTunes, help get the downloads up on that, as well as do that for us as well because. Shit, we need all the fucking positive energy we can get. We should start with that, man. We got to start making sure that motherfuckers are giving us five stars. And if you don't think it's five stars, not only are you, are you a hater, but I want you to write down some funny shit of why we're not five stars. Please show us that you are much funnier and much smarter than us in your comment section. I would like to read those. There's one comment in the whole thing I think is like funny. And I always like... I think I screenshotted that one once because I thought it was so funny. I think it gave us one star, but that was it. (laughs) All right, so everybody. Art, you got anything else, brother? That's it. All right, baby. Have a good night. Good night.